Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. Hey, what the actual fuckers? Stay tuned to the end of the episode for a very exclusive clip of the This Country book read by Kerry and Curtin. Good evening, everybody. This is Terry, live from the Bowls Club, to say what the actual fuck. See you and on. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country Podcast. Now, first, he's a man who's just come back from a multi-level management scheme meeting where some lady sat in front of him and did nothing but guff for the whole meeting. He's very rude, man. Very rude. It's Neil. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. But if, if someone farted in front of you, would you say something or not? No, I don't tend to. It happens to most of us, doesn't it? If you're still in a bus queue or getting on the tube or something, somebody always lets rip somewhere. But are you the person that stood behind, no. or are you normally the person that lets it's, rip? Yeah, but now the the bo- the boking, the smoking bans in. Right, you, you smell guffs now, don't you? So wherever you are, you know, if you go to the pub, whereas before it would all be masked by the smell of smoke. Oh, so you're saying that people always guffed? Yeah, and now you just smell it because there's yeah. nothing to hide here. What a great way to start yeah. this podcast. Let's talk about guffs. Let's introduce our special guest. <laughs> now, I guess this week is the head of that multi-level management scheme. It's not a pyramid scheme. We didn't have the startup feed to get her on the show, so we begged, borrowed and stole, and here she is, Shaz herself, actress Laura Chegley. Hey. Hello, hello. Uh, we... <laughs> So we've been waiting for this. We've one. been waiting for this. There's not many members of the cast that we haven't spoken to yet, and you were on our list. And I and it was only because I think it was Amanda Redmond from the Fingers on Buzzers podcast a few episodes ago mentioned Shaz, and I thought, why haven't I even looked to see who Shaz? And then so straight onto IMDb, straight onto Twitter, and then we managed. Is that to... how she works in Sainsbury's? We can't get out of her. <laughs> <laughs> so. The first question I want to ask, and I'm I'm yeah. fascinated because you're literally in, I think, two scenes, I think, in that it's episode. That, yeah, it's more like a scene and then a, a in floating about in the background, yeah. Yeah, so did, did you audition for that? And if so, what, what did the audition, what, what did you have to do? I, so when, obviously, when I went in for it, you know, no one knew what the show was. I just knew that I really liked the script and... Um, I originally read for both Shaz and Big Mandy. Oh, right. Um, yeah, but um, I always sort of knew I weren't right for Big Mandy. I just knew I wasn't right for it. And I, I actually know Ashley, who plays Big Mandy, and she's amazing. Um, but I really wanted Shaz. I read it, and, yeah, and we, we got it up on its feet, and and Daisy was really lovely in the audition. Yeah, and that was it. Sold, done it, and went off to do it. Didn't know what it was going to be. Uh, but I knew it was great. I knew as soon as I read the script, I thought, oh, this is this is quite, it's right up my Strasse, you know. So, yeah, I just knew what to do with it. I've, I've sort of loosely based Shaz on my mum, actually. <laughs> is your mum aware of this? Oh, right. Well, she knows now. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of characters that have got a lot of my mum uh, sort of peppered in. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so yes, when you I, yes, I did. I auditioned for it. Yes. Right. So, so did you have any? What exactly do you have when you go in for an audition? Because again, I'm fascinated when it comes to these tiny little parts, but there's a lot of character in these parts. How do you? break that down and what do you have what information do you have apart from the script is there any other information well at that point no it was just when you get in the room you know had a little chat with what they were thinking for the character uh but they just sort of said give it a read and see what you bring to it um and they they were amazing it sort of let up in the in the audition i improvised a bit and mucked about a bit and just made it what i thought it should be how it read to me um so i think i think the thing is about those small parts it's just if it if i think i can do something with it then i'll play it but if i feel like there's no funnies in it and there's nothing i can do with it then i probably wouldn't go in for it but i it's funny isn't it because I, I, I big mandy obviously was a much bigger part but i just what knew that shaz was right for me so uh, I just knew what to do with it. And I just, did, I just liked that little bit of. There was just that little bit of monologue about all the, you know, the the, the scheme, uh, the, the was it eternal vitality? Yeah, uh, yeah. The pitch, um, yeah. and did that, and we mucked out in the room, and I just really liked it, and I liked the team. I just had a good feeling about it. I just thought this is going to be really great. Let's be a part of it, and so I'm so glad I did because now look at it, it's just incredible. It is. How I long were you in? Sorry, sorry, sorry. How long were you in the Cotswolds for filming? Oh, like, uh, I stayed there two nights, perhaps. Maybe it was a night before I filmed and then I went home that day. So it all seems like a distant memory, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, again, how long were you filming for then? Did it Was it, like, loads of takes or...? Uh, that was, like, an afternoon. Like, what, like, three hours, something like that. Right. It's because yeah, I... With the little bit floating about in the background, yeah. Because yeah, for me, when you watch something like that, or any of these shows where there's like something like you're in, where you're in for pr- pretty much one scene, yeah, it's like it's almost like it feels like it should be just a throwaway thing. Oh, they just grab, they've just grabbed somebody and told you right, just re- read those words. But there's a lot that goes into it because Shaz, yeah. there's a lot of nuances to, to Shaz, isn't there? Even though of it's just course. you're on you're on screen for probably five minutes, if that. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, they'll audition you for one line these days or just a look, you know. Right. uh, Yeah, they don't. It's very rare to get cast off of, unless you've worked with the team before, Mm. uh, you you always pretty much go in these days. There's no sort of getting away with sort of, unless you've worked with the team and you get offered the job. Um, But most of the time, I mean, you can go in and read two lines, they'll audition you because I suppose... I mean, yeah, you could say give it to anyone, but the Shaz, I just, Shaz for me, like, was, you'd, you'd have to know what to do with her. I think if you just, I just, yeah, I think you just need to be a character actor to pull that sort of part off, really. Um, yeah. Because I'm a, the one thing that it, I see a lot of David Brent in Shaz. <laughs> if that, and, I, and I mean that. I mean that as a as a compliment. The way that Shaz does that thing when she talks and she's like, she keeps her eyes closed for that little bit when she's saying something yeah. that's a fact that she knows she's maybe a little bit too earnest isn't she yeah. and she takes herself really serious um i just know i've met loads of women like that in the past they just like take themselves so seriously and take what they do really seriously and they're just that little bit too earnest yeah mm. yeah and that's what it is and it's it's that's that observation i just i just know i've just met too many women like that and, and you I've sort of did it then it's that that little wobble of the yeah. head it's, it's sort of like you know i'm saying something that i know isn't true but i'm going to make it true and you know that it's yeah yeah it's, it's... yeah and just that little bit sort of a little bit patronizing <laughs> so so uh, what would you think shaz would be doing now though would she still be doing the same pyramid scheme that's not yeah, a pyramid scheme. Still getting that two hundred quid off of everyone, and then never ringing them back once they've shifted her gear. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But maybe with but a they... different product. Yeah, maybe she's got a different name now as well, and maybe her name's not even Shaz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, because she's definitely got there is, she's got a confidence to her, hasn't she? She, you can tell that she's done this for quite a while, and she's successful at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think she's. Uh, I think she's. Uh, 
a real charlotte and i think she this is what she does i've I, so i've done those things before where people have tried to you know they've opened the, the, their, the, their boot up and gone here look i've got all this avon products or uh what's, what's that other one with the lighter life or whatever mm. sorry for anyone who must who sells that but they, they open their boot and they go do you want to buy something it's all sort of there and then and if you go yeah i'll have some and you think i feel like i'll never see you again if i purchase all these things and it doesn't work out and i don't want them or mm. i want to give them back um uh, yeah i just i think i think shaz is a she's like smash and grab sort of lady and she she gets a 200 quid sign up then she's gives you the gives you this the gear and then she's that she's off and then she's changed her number she's yeah. probably not even giving you the right number <laughs> so when you she's wh- got five mobiles <laughs> <laughs> so when you got to film that scene um did you get a chance to improvise or was everything scripted and they wanted to keep it I, I played about a bit actually. That bit where I say, because um, I watched it back actually, just to remind myself. Uh, that bit where I say all um, when I talked to Kerry and I said, "What's your name, darling?" I sort of added bits there, um, and uh, they were happy for me to play. So yeah, I, 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 that's what I, I loved about doing that. And it's a, a lot of work that I do is improvised, and I like to be able to play. And I think that's where the, the some of the beauty can come. You just get little gem, gems sometimes. Obviously, I stuck to a lot of the script, but yeah, uh, I played about a bit, and they they said, "Yeah, go for it, play about," and they 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 loved it. And some of it stayed. So, yeah. does, does that happen on a lot of sets, or are there, are there sets where it is very much you have to stick to every word on the script? I think it just depends on the team, depends on the. I think the nature of uh, how I suppose Daisy and Charlie work is there's a lot of impro going on. Um, so you you should always honour the script, always. But I think you could just get a sense with a team when there's a, you can play about. I think with comedy, a lot of the comedy that I've done, I, t- I tend to be asked to have a little muck about. You do one take where you stick to the script and then you'll do another take where they go, have a little play now. Mm. And those things sometimes stay and then other things you think they'll never keep that. And then sometimes they do and it's it's joyous because you think, oh, that's lovely. I, I made that funny, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So it's yeah, it's uh, I, it just depends on the team and and how strict they are. But mostly with comedy, I do think they let you play. In my experience, anyway. Yeah. So how do you learn the craft of improvisation? Because not everybody can do it, can they? Yeah, I mean, I'm no expert, and sometimes it, you know, you can play about, and it, it ends up being really dreadful, and you think, "Oh crikey, I'm not sure where this is going now." But I think it's just, I think it's being open, uh, being silly, but not being afraid to play about and just I think you've just got to know the character and the voice really well just know what those characters would say which is any character I usually do is like you know loosely always based on someone I know or someone I've you know watched in a shop or met in a pub or they're always sort of based on a little little bit of experience on someone I may have met or known um uh, but yeah I think I think you get better as time goes on I did the comedy circuit I was in a double act so we used to improvise a lot with each other and I think it's just practice and um I mean I've got mates that are in improv groups and that, that's like another level mm. you know live audience kind of improv but uh, playing about on set and as long as you know the character and you you know the world you, you can just say anything it's brilliant mm. so what made you uh, yeah <laughs> so what made you uh choose acting as a profession um I used to sit and watch comedy as a kid I don't, don't remember this my mum said that and I used to mimic a lot and I, I always wanted to make people laugh from a youngster. But, you know, even just making my mates laugh around a table was enough for me. But um, I um, yeah, I was obsessed with watching Victoria Wood as a kid. I used to watch Girls on Top. I don't know if you remember that. With, like, yeah, Ruby Wax, Dawn and French. And I, was only, I could have only been about five. My mum just thought, how strange that she likes this. Um, so, and I, I just used to be obsessed with, with female comedians. And I just used to sit at home and watch it all the time. Um and that just developed as I got older. I asked my mum if I could go to a dance school down the road. Um, and I, I did I, I did that. And then that one thing led to another. And then I found out about, oh, you should go to drama school. And and then I, I went to drama school. And and then, yeah, and then I just sort of, I just felt like I wanted to make people laugh all the time. I, I didn't, wasn't so much interested in the serious stuff. Um, you know, I did, you know, I, well, Lots of girls wanted to play Lady Macbeth, and I wanted to be the funny old, you know, scullery maid or something. You know, I was just always interested in making people laugh. 
so yeah I, that's how it happened really it was sort of just something I always knew I wanted to do and I just used to sit at home as a kid and pull faces in the mirror sort of lonely childhood really <laughs> <laughs> so which drama school did you go to Laura I went to Mountview because oh. I actually trained in musical theatre. So I used to do musicals and I sort of decided, I've done about seven years out of drama school and I thought, oh, what am I doing? I don't want to do this anymore. I just, I just didn't, I just found it hard work and you have to be so, you have to look after yourself so well when you're doing theatre. And I just, I like to vino in a fag and I just thought, oh, hold on. I'm not sure this life's for me. But yeah, no, I just, I always wanted to just act more. And I, I, I've decided, I'd met my comedy partner. We did a, 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 we did a Christmas show together that closed before Christmas. Because <laughs> um, it was a disaster. And I just said one night, oh, I really want to write with someone. Do you fancy it? And so, we started writing together and then I've decided to never do musicals again. And then we went off and did our first Edinburgh show and, and we did, you know, three sort of Edinburgh shows later and we started to, I started to sort of penetrate the comedy world a bit. And um, so it was a bit of a strange journey into comedy, but, um, and uh, yeah, it took me sort of a good eight or so years to really sort of transition from that musical world to comedy sort of feels like two different lives really yeah is it something you would go back to at all i think if the right thing came up i'd be interested uh but i'd only want to do a short run because i'm really lazy <laughs> i wouldn't want to go in something for a year <laughs> <laughs> i'd get bored really quickly that's why i love telly because you know you, you're filming for six weeks you move on or you know like all this job with uh, this country it was a, a day and you move on and you're on to the next character in the next world and yeah, that's far more interesting mm. than sort of sitting something for a year. It's that sort of that 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 feeling of oh god, I've got to say these lines all over again for the eighth time this week, mm. and then you've got to do that for a whole year. That sort of I take my hat off to people that can do that really. But there there, there are, are actors that I'm assuming would class that as that's like job security that they've they've got that going yeah, that, on. That's one thing for sure yeah that you know you're going to sit in a job for year a year that's that's always I, that was the one upshot to it really when I was doing it that you thought oh great that's me done now for six months I'm there or a year and <clears throat> so now you know it's uh but now you know you do a job a tv like if you're doing a series it's like six weeks I mean certainly when you're doing half hour eps six eps for comedy they're like that's like a six week job really and, you know a couple of weeks before that for rehearsals and read-throughs and whatever um so it's quite short stints yeah you spe- you do spend quite a bit of time out of work yeah mm-hmm. yeah but if you're but la- if you're lazy <laughs> then that 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 works like pretty good then <laughs> yeah i like i like variation and i like to put my feet up and i love a vino with my friends <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like I've got a drink problem. It sounds like the next sitcom. (laughs) It sounds like a perfect life. It sounds like you work for a little bit, then you go and have some vino, and then find another bit. I'm sure you could write a sitcom about it. I'm sure you could. I'm sure. So with your writing, then, do you find it easier to write with a writing partner as opposed to writing by yourself? Yeah, do you know what? I'm just writing something on my own at the moment that uh, is... And it's really... I've I've spoken to other... uh, uh, friends about this who are writers and yeah I'm, I'm much better when I can bounce off someone um, and there's just there's just times when you're like oh I'm not sure where to go with this plot or this character and there's all and and, and your partner's there they've, they've got the answer or you know it's just easier to and it, and you think well if you're laughing at it and she's laughing at it well it must be funny but if you're sat in a room on your own thinking I'm not sure this is funny and I don't know. And you've got no one to bounce off. It can drive you mad a bit. Mm. But, yeah, so a long long answer to that is, yeah, it's much easier to write with someone, I think. Um, And and much more fun, you know, you can have a laugh about it. But when you're sat on your own, you just think, Christ, this is really bad. I'm not (laughs) sure anyone's going to ever want to read this, let alone watch it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, when you got the script so, for the, the episode of This Country you were in, did you get the whole yeah. script or was it just your part? Um, oh, let me recall. Um, no, I think I think at that point it was just the scene and the big Mandy scenes I had a read of. Yeah. Mm. I, don't, I can't recall getting the episode. Or did I? I can't recall. I just remember really loving the writing. I just it really tickled me. There's many scripts you read, you know, like a lot of comedies, and and it's all subjective, isn't it? Comedy, it's taste, and 
um, it just really made me laugh out loud, the bits that I'd read, and I just I knew I didn't re need to read the rest of the script. I just really loved it. Um, so, so being I, a... Oh, sorry. The job, sorry, as soon as I got the job, they sent the episode out, and I read it, and it was like, oh, God, this is amazing. This is so funny. Yeah, so being a writer yourself then, did you find yourself analysing the way they wrote? When I... No, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, of course you do. You always compare. And I remember when it came out and I watched it and I, I called my comedy partner. I was like, that, like, let's just shut up shop now, shall we? This is amazing. Um, but I think, yeah, you can always go, oh, yeah, we, we, we've got humour like that. I think that you can read some things and think this is so, this is just so far out of my humour range that it's not making me laugh, but I appreciate it. But with with this country, we read it and we were because uh, my actually funny enough, my comedy partner went up for the same part. She went for Big Mandy as well, um, but she read it as well, and we were both talking about it, going, you know, this is this is like a much better version of what we would write. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sort, of, I was thinking, in that sort of instance, then for say the Big Mandy part, is there a lot of people that you know that you're friends with that all go for the same parts? How, how, yeah, how does that affect friendships? I, you just get over it, really. You see the same... I just I see the same people at castings all the time, and you think, oh, she's here, she'll get this. Right. <laughs> I always think everyone else will get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, you, and you think, oh, that, yeah, and it's always just brilliant people that you've met on the circuit a lot of the time, especially with comedy. You just And, of course, you've all got one... You know, I've only got one face, so I'm going to be going in the room with similar-looking people. Mm. Um but yeah, I think as well, especially at the, like if when it's when something's so new, um, I think uh, they pull in all the the comedians, and so you just start seeing everyone at the same uh, these auditions. Yeah, I don't. No, I never feel like that. I just feel like it was meant to be. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I always think if I see someone I really respect at an audition, I go, oh, great, she's here. Christ, let's go home now, shall I? <laughs> <laughs> I always think that. Never think I'm going to get it. So when this country aired after filming it, did you sit and watch it as a regular punter? Yeah, I did. Yeah, when you're like a when you're a regular in something, they'll send they'll send you the episodes before it airs, so you get to have a look at it before you know millions of people watch it. But no, I I, I watched it. There was a screening. You get invited to screenings like cast and crew screening, but I couldn't go for some reason. I think I was filming something else. Um, and I couldn't go to that. Um, so yeah, I just watched it when it came out. Um, but I'd, I'd that was episode. I feel like it was episode four or something. It was, it was episode four. It was, yeah. yeah, that's right. King, it, yeah. King of the Nerds. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd already watched three, so I knew it was great. So I was sort of like, oh god, I'm really glad I'm in this. <laughs> and I think a lot of people I spoke to that were in it, sort of, you know, I think really thrilled that they were in it. I think when something's as good as this country. I, you you get anyone to do it. Anyone yeah. will go and see a guest. You now people will be gagging to being this country. Like, so I'm 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 glad I got in there first. Mm. And it, it, yeah. obviously, it looks good on things like IMDb, doesn't it? That it's it's like on your resume that it's something yeah. like that is on there. Yeah. So it's funny, I, isn't it? I was gonna say I oh. noticed I noticed on your resume, uh, Bridget Jones' baby. Yeah, I mean, I was in that for like a spit and a cough. <laughs> You know, talking about filming for like we, I think I filmed for like six or seven days, and I'm literally in like thirty seconds. I mean, films are really uh, slow going, right? Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I was I was a, a woman who carried a birthday cake with loads of candles on because Bridget's got old, and I said something like, "Oh God, it's so hot, so many candles," um, and then the sprinklers came on, and that was it. Sort of, I played Sue, the floor manager, I think her name was. Right. So, <laughs> so again, then, how do you audition for something like that? I think I went in for another part, and then got offered a smaller part. Oh right, okay. Um, yeah, a lot of that happens quite a bit. You're going for bigger parts, and they go, "Oh, she's good, but she's not right for that." Well, she could do those five lines over there. She can do Sue, the floor manager. Um, so that happens quite often. Um, I can't remember what I went in for now. Bigger part, though. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it was actually... I, the, I, the scene actually didn't end up making it, I think. The character didn't make it in the cut, in the final film. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that ha happens quite a lot. Yeah. So do you prefer filming TV over films, then? 
Um, do you know what? I've just I just did a film. It's coming out in March. It's called Military Wives, and it's based on um, I don't know if you remember the documentary uh, that was out with the, the 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 wives that were married to uh, the guy uh, the army. Uh, sorry, that sounds. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've not had a wine. I promise. <laughs> and, so, you know Gareth Malone. Yeah. Uh, oh, I remember. Wife. He did a documentary with military wives. That's right. The guys were away serving in Afghanistan. And um, he created a choir with these women. Then they released a single. Right. They went to Royal Abbey Hall. And they released a single. Anyway, they've made a film of that. And um, I've, I'm one of the wives in that. And that's coming out in March. Um, oh, and that that I had, that was joyous and wonderful. Um, so I think... I, films uh they they're, they're stretched out more so you i think they're not as compact so you can spend m- much longer on a scene um how that swings and roundabouts really sometimes the tv can feel like oh we've got 20 minutes we've got to get this shot in 20 minutes so you're rushing um and then with film you've got the luxury of time um so it's it's much of a muchness really i, I feel happier in my world of tv only because that's where I feel comfortable in what I've done the most. Um, but, no, I really enjoyed doing that. I enjoy it when I've got a big part, I'll be honest. You know, yeah, and I yeah. can get my teeth into something. <laughs> um, that's what I like. Um, yeah, I mean, Bridget Jones's baby was such a tiny little part. You sort of feel a little bit like, you know, you've won a competition to be there. Um, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I can act. So, no, I'm just doing one line today, just yeah. the one line. Uh, but, yeah, um, yeah. So did you did you get to spend any time with Renee Zellweger, or, or was that just a like? I did actually. She's lovely. I was I stood in a toilet queue with her on set, and I thought, I wonder why she's not going to like a trailers because the trailers are sort of a little walk away, and there was a queue for this toilet. This one toilet that was on set. It sounds glam, doesn't it? And um, she, I said to her, Do you want to go in front of me? She went, No, go on, you know, you you. And she'd say good morning to me every morning, come and have a little chat with me. I thought she was so lovely. Really, really lovely. Not starry at all. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that, you know, I spent all of six days with her, so not like you know, I knew her very well. But she, from yeah, she was lovely, lovely. Oh. There you uh, go. See. Well, I've never said a bad word about them. <laughs> <laughs> not that I know. <laughs> and I mean, you slag all the Hollywood stars <laughs> off you do, Neil, don't you? In your your Just, well, gossip column, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you think I was going to come up with an amusing sort of? Well, we just wondered whether, yeah, you were going to say, oh, you know, the, she was horrible and she never she spoke a, to she anyone, was a or diva. So, oh, yeah, because if you'd have gone in, like, in after her, imagine if she'd like left oh. a log in the toilet, you could have said, you could have sold that on eBay. Yeah, scooped it up <laughs> in the tub. Yeah, and then gone, and she didn't wash her hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've got her to sign the Tupperware box without her knowing what's in there. <laughs> oh my god! You'd never, never, never have to work again. Oh, dear. Now, I, talking I, about farts earlier. Um, uh, she didn't. I, I did think <laughs> I've, I've, this man farted on a boat once when I was on my holidays, and everyone heard it, and no one said anything. Really. And I, why have I not? Why did not say? And I, I, I wouldn't. I'm also like that. I would not say something if I, if someone farted. <laughs> on a, I just would. I just sort of sort of sniff the air like in disgust. Yeah. Like, oh, how dare you in a confined space? You know. But you do, don't you? You might even go for like that. But yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't God, say to them. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got a friend with you, and you go, "Oh, it stinks on here." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly getting all high and mighty, but yeah, you never yeah. do it anywhere. No, oh, no, hell, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> who hasn't farted in an empty room and laughed because it smells so much? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody's oh, done God. that. Or have you never? Sorry, Laura, have you never done that? <laughs> no, I do. Unfortunately, yes, I do. Frequently, <laughs> I'm not shy about it. Everyone does. Everyone does it. Even the queen. Especially when I'm on the own. Come on. Well, exactly. No one's there. You're the only one that's going to suffer with it. So you just do one that's really you, bad. I've got a question. Sorry, Laura, to Pow. Do you Dutch oven yourself then? Do you what, know what a Dutch what, oven which is? One the, which one? Oh, that's I when, do. That's when you fart and then you hold the person's head under the duvet. Oh God, no! I wouldn't do that. Huh? You don't do it to yourself. No, 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 okay. no, no. That's terrible. I do like a slow wash. I do like a wash. <laughs> 
waft. Well, everybody likes their own brand, don't they? A slow waft. That yeah, was... like just pull the duvet up slowly and then... <laughs> that wasn't slowly. two words I thought I was going to hear tonight. A slow waft. That wasn't something I thought I was going to hear. It sounds like a musical piece. I want you to go into a slow waft. It does, doesn't it? It doesn't it, yeah. Um, like I was saying before we went on, uh, uh, on air... That I went down a little bit of a YouTube rabbit hole uh, earlier on and came across, and i got to get this right, Yana Lana and Svetlana. Is that right? Yeah. Now, the, yes. this, these were two characters, I'm assuming, with your, your comedy partner? Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you want to tell us a little bit about them? Because I don't, I don't want to um, spoil it for people. Well, they, I mean, they, I found it hilarious, I have to say. They're conjoined twins. Um, <laughs> and if I'm really honest, we just, I just... We, it started with, we just, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did some conjoined twins and one was a complete evil bastard and the other one's like, you know, really like real two goody, a goody two shoes. Um, and I, I, I wanted to do, yeah, and we, we just sort of put a jumper over us one day and said, oh, I wonder if we can get into this big jumper. And we sort of put our both heads through the one hole um, and then put this large skirt on that I don't know why I think it was like an old practice skirt from drama school you get like these black skirts that are like really stretchy waistband and we sort of got into one for a laugh and um we sort of fell into this position where uh Vix Bush who's my comedy partner have uh, she sort of put her cheek against mine and we were sort of joined at the face yeah you were conjoined and at the face the idea of these two people that couldn't get away from each other and uh, we're just totally different, um, complete opposite personalities. And, uh, yeah, we used to do this sketch as well where um, one of them had a passport and the other one didn't. And so this, <laughs> she was going to... Uh, yeah, it was... Because um, yeah, the, 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 the one I saw was when you were doing makeup tips. Makeup tips, yeah. And, and that was the one I found hilarious because uh, one was trying to put... Our- the makeup on yeah, the other have one. Our hands wrapped around the back of each other, and then our outside arm would be functional. So when she was moving, so when the other character, Vix's character, wanted to move her arm, it would be my arm, and when I wanted to move my arm, it would be her arm. Yeah. So with makeup tutorial, she was putting the eyeliner on me, but I was sort of pretending it was on me. I was doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So of course, it just went everywhere, and it's really terrible. Um. Because it looked yes. like it looked like yes. she got you in the eye as well. Because it, it looked like now I don't know yes. whether it was part it of it or because you all of a sudden you looked like you were really pissed off because it looked like it got you in the eye and you thought that's that's not acting now. She's really pissed off and wants to finish. <laughs> yeah, we used to do that a lot. We used to eat a chocolate bar in when we because uh, we were we got to the final of the Funny Women Awards and we had this chocolate bar and it's I think that's on YouTube. Um, and uh, she feeds me this chocolate bar and she shoved it right in in the final and I couldn't speak and we <laughs> lost it on stage. She used to do that a lot. But, but the audience loved that. They go, oh, great, you know, we're seeing something that's never, you know, that they haven't done before. And so, yeah, it's, um, it, that, this seems like it's like a lifetime ago, mm. you know, when we did those characters over 10 years ago, it really split an audience. It was like, oh, they can't do that. And we were always sort of like, on, you know, always airing on the dark side of comedy. Yeah, do you think something like that um, would be... A complete no-no these days with the whole PC police. I, yeah, and I, in a way, yes, probably. Um, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, I, I, I would be worried about doing it now. I've got to say because I think you just got to be careful. And you know, is it your story to tell? And yeah. I mean, for us, it was more about. I mean, just the two of us getting in a jumper made us laugh. But it was about two people being stuck together that couldn't get away from each other that desperately hated each other and that was what interested us more yeah um, so yeah but yeah in, yeah I don't, i'm not sure no. it would be i don't know when you look back to comedies like little britain and stuff like it's it's edgy isn't it, it is. fine back then but we've learned more now we've all grown and and and, and yeah you've got yeah, I, I think back to some of the stuff we used to do 10 years ago, and it, I really cringe. I think, oh, my God, I'd never do that now. I'd never just can't. You no, know, it's no. not your tale to tell. It's even weird you saying that. I, I'm thinking now, was it wrong for me to find it so funny? <clears throat> because in this day and age, you know, to find some, not necessarily be the person that's done it, but to be the person that is finding it funny and making me laugh, you sort of feel guilty that you shouldn't really make it. But I, I did i just find it so funny i couldn't help yeah it. well just sit we, we tried to make it silly and the characters are super lovable yeah um yeah i mean i 
I don't think there's any harm in laughing at it because we we did a reunion show about three years ago and we put those characters in just because you know loads and we knew loads of people would want to see them um but we sort of updated a bit and and tried to I don't know yeah we tried to make it make sense as to why we would still do it now but it was it was tricky it was tricky mm. you just don't want anyone to, to think that you know that you're mocking anyone really yeah, yeah, and that's yeah tricky situation isn't it it's a yeah, tricky yeah, yeah so yeah, I, I don't think we'd do it now is the answer mm. which makes me think i should probably take it off youtube yeah. <laughs> there's lots of things like <laughs> don't, don't. way back but to be fair Terrible i mean topic. again you're talking about little britain you go way back to things like mind your language and um love thy neighbor love thy neighbor and things like that and alf garnet that the, these yeah. these days now would never get made you know yeah. kids look at things like that and, and are in shock that we would find things like that so funny in the 70s and 80s and yeah it's crazy I, even like watching friends you know i was watching that's always repeating isn't it it's always on i was watching friends there's a few things in there i thought oh that's that's sort of i mean i found that hysterical 10 years ago but yeah, now yeah. it's like oh yeah, it's it just moves on, doesn't it? And and it's moving and evolving all the time, which is a good thing. But mm. yeah, those shows, yeah, you sort of feel bad for laughing at it. But we didn't know, you know, we know more now, and it's like you can't sort of, yeah, yeah, you can't, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a tricky one. I totally agree. Mm. Yeah. Everyone, you looking at me now and going, <laughs> oh, she's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Take it off quick. No, not no, at no, all. No, not no. at I, all. I must admit, I, I mean, I've we we both have a dark sense of humour, <laughs> don't we? And I don't think there's anything wrong with things that are just that 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 that, that just push the boundaries a little bit. I think this country is probably one of the shows around today that will push the boundaries in regards to language and mm. and certain things. But of even course. then, there's stuff that they hold back on, and there's no real name calling, which. You know, mm-hmm. kids do, still do they yeah. still do these days, do. you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very difficult position to be in, I suppose, as a filmmaker or a TV maker or as a comedian. And Yeah, I think you just have to listen and, and if people tell you that it's offensive, then you kind of go, well, then, you know, um, if it's offensive to those people, then you have to listen. It's about listening to what people find offensive and go, right, right then, well, then that's, that's off topic and you're yeah. not... You're, I, that's fair enough. People speak up and they say, well, that's hurtful, I don't like that. And then, yeah, you just have to keep listening to what mm. what, what what everyone's saying, mm. really. Or, or I suppose you go the, the, the completely opposite way and you'd be someone like Frankie Boyle who says things that are totally outrageous and you know that you're going into something like that. If you go and see Frankie Boyle, you know that he's not going to tell, not, not jokes, he's going to yeah. say stuff that is going to make people laugh but go yeah. at the same time you know it's that that's... yeah, yeah. Well, it's... if you look at like julia davis as well like she's so incredible but i know some people can find her stuff like really near the knuckle and like too much and absolutely she's um, always pushing those boundaries and i think we have to have those people and then there's someone like me in the middle going oh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well it's like they say yeah you can usually find humor in most sort of circumstances can't you that, that you, you read it dark, throughout history life, life, life is dark and life is cruel and i you know and I, you know going back to this country and talking about that you know there's a darkness to those sort of characters really those that you know the fact that they're stuck there and you do i do what i watch it sometimes i think i just feel so sorry for them just stuck there with no prospects and doing the same thing day in day out and um I think yeah, it's I've, they. I think you know, and they've made it tender. But you do care about Kerry and Kurt, and mm. yeah, mm, and like when she got, got put in the the police car, you know, I just felt so sorry for her. You know, her relationship with her dad and stuff. It's just heartbreaking. It's so brilliant and beautifully observed, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's just. But the thing is, um, you look at it. You say about them that, that you feel sorry for them. Curtin had his chance to get out. That's true, and, he, st- and, he, and he, he, you could tell that he didn't really want to. He had that chance, and all of a sudden, he's got that opportunity, and he decides he doesn't want to. Whereas Kerry is happy as a pig in shit to be just staying in the village because it's got a shop yeah. and it's got a pub. What more do you need? But a question yeah. to ask you about that with obviously Curtin: Did he stay because of Kerry? Which is the way I took it—that he needed to look after Kerry. 
and he felt I almost like a responsibility for mm. her. I know he had his chance, but part of me thinks he turned that down because of Kerry. I'm sure that I'm sure that entered his mind because it would, right? They're, they're sort of inseparable. Don't think they know how to be mm. without each other, really, do they? I don't know if they know who they are without each other. I do think there's a part of him though that just prefers to be uh, that bigger fish in a small pond. Yeah, yeah, there is those that. People of going, oh, I'm going to get out, and he never does. Yeah, you know, got I, I got the feeling that it's like more that. what Laura says. He had the chance, and he bottled it. I, I don't yeah. think it's the fact that he was thinking about Kerry at all, because she was saying that she's she. Why would you want to leave? Mm. But for hit for me, it seemed like he's going the big bravado about I'm going out, I'm going, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, and then it came to that actual moment of getting in the car to the with the vicar. And he bottled it. Mm. That, that I mean, that is one of the reasons, but also because of the way he looks after Kerry in, when she has her birthday and things like that, that's what sort of enforces it. You know, he buys her the soda stream and says it's from her dad and things like that. Yeah, maybe. You know, have you a, ever asked him that? Have you ever asked Charlie that question? We'll have to remember, <laughs> we and we will ask him no, that. We yeah. will ask him. That'll be one of the ones we will ask him if we, if we get should. him back in again. I, I read it more like he bottled it. Yeah. But I, I'm sure the, the Kerry was... It was a huge influence, of course. Leaving people, leaving home and family, it's tough, isn't it, Chase? It's tough when you're, you know, when they've never really got out of there. Yeah. Mm. I can't imagine they've ever really been on holiday either, but do you think they've ever been on... Breen Sands. (laughs) They went to Breen Sands, didn't they? Oh, yes, yes, of course. But that was a whole debacle, apparently. (laughs) But, you know, who knows? We may see that in Series 3. They may take a trip. Who knows? Yeah, they filmed Series 3. Series 3 they? has been filmed, yeah. It's out in Fe- <laughs> they reckon February time, I believe, yeah. So. Oh, how exciting, yeah. Right. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. <clears throat> awesome. We will find out how huge a fan you are now because we're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You need to tell oh. me if it was Kerry or Curtain. Oh, go on. Are you ready? Here we mm-hmm. go. We've got five of these. Number one. Bang in. Did you see that? Let's go down the pub and get shit-faced. Uh, that's curtain. Well done. One out of one. What's Very that from? Good. That's when uh, that's GMVQ. Okay. That's when he's yes. uh, just heard the the song and he said it's banging. Number two. Me being vile. I'm not the one going on about my rock hard ball bag. <laughs> that's curtain, isn't it? That's Kerry. Oh. Sh- that's Kerry <laughs> talking to the vicar. Uh, number three. So it's one out of two so far. Number three. He's good looking up close, isn't he? Uh, oh, is that Kerry? That is Kerry. That's when they're yeah. uh, minor injuries when they walk past Sophie's uh, new boyfriend that looks right. just like yeah, that with the curtains. <laughs> so that's two out of three. Number four. He said I reminded him of himself when he was in his late 40s. <laughs> he said I reminded him of himself when he was in his late 40s. Was curtain? I don't know that no, one. No, that I'm was That was at uh, oh, Country Fair. That was right. talking about the, the guy that drove the tractors. Funny, much funnier than it is, Kerry, yeah. Oh. There he goes. That's, uh, what's that, two out of four so far? Number five, the funny. last one. It's Gibbo, in it that works at Screwfix. Oh, well, Kerry was obsessed with Screwfix, wasn't she? Didn't she want the man... Is it Kerry? Oh, well no. done. <laughs> Three out of five. Very respectable. That Very is, that's respectable. the same score that Jenny Ryan got, who's the vixen from The Chase. So there you go. You're in good company. Really? Three out of five. Right. I need to go on The Chase. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what would your Chase name be? Eternal Vitality. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> or the Pyramid oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Pyramid Scheme. Yeah, Vitality. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's good. That is good. Or just Shaz. Just Shaz, <laughs> yeah, well, that's just Shaz, yeah. If yeah. we can bring out the chaser. Shaz. Shaz, yeah. I'd be terrified of her. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with Series 3 coming out in uh, in early 2020, we believe it's February, don't we? I think. We think it is. Um, uh, what would you like to see... Kerry and Curtin get up to? Would you like to see them fly the nest of the village or just no. more of the same? I want to see 
see them fly that nest. No, I just want more tails and more uh, small things blown up uh, into big issues. I, no, I want more of the same. I don't want it to change. Uh, I'd, the only thing I'd really love is that she gets... I'd love her to really put her dad in her place. I'd yeah. really love her to... Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, just more of everything, really. Yeah, no, I'd really like her to see. I'd, I'd really love to see Martin get his comeuppance. That's what I'd love. Um, I, th- I think yeah. he's due it. I do think he's he's due some yeah. kind of because to me it feels like it's an itch that hasn't been scratched yet. And I hate series that have these nasty characters that don't get some kind of yeah payback. And I think he's yeah, he's due it definitely. Payoff would be huge as well because everyone would be cheering for Kerry. Yeah. So yeah. I'd like to see. But do you think that would be something that would have to happen towards the end of the run of the show? Yeah, it, there'd have to be a run-up of it, right? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Because if it happened to... Because it's quite a dynamic, isn't it, of the show? Or wouldn't it be funny if he just kept, like got out of prison, come out and saw Kerry, and Kerry just told him to piss off, and that was it. He just walked off, and that was it. You wouldn't ever see him again. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really... It'd be, but I mean, you'd be, miss him. I'd oh, you miss, would him. miss him. You would. You would. That's the only isn't it once you've done that storyline it's a shame because then you lose that brilliant character you do you do oh. and you've always got to have, you know you've always got to have that nasty person in a series well i don't know yeah. they got big mandy i don't think big mandy's nasty i think she's just a psychopath <laughs> <laughs> do you know i want I mean? to see more of big mandy yeah sure. absolutely absolutely i mean those are the nunchucks brilliant uh, yeah. and the vicar as well as long as we get a good oh, dose of the vicar and mandy i think we're fine yeah, that's yeah. that's a spin-off. That is well, the, the vicar, vicar and Mandy live together, and they just like like girls on top. It could be like that. Just the vicar, <laughs> the vicar and Mandy together. Yeah. Oh dear. So Laura, what have you got coming up? Is there any things you can you tell us about that's coming uh, up? Yeah, I've just um, I've got I've just uh, finished filming a thing called King Garrett's for BBC One. It's going to be out in January. Um, it's about. Uh, a couple. It's got a star in Tom Davis. He was in Murder and Successful. Mm. Uh, he plays uh, Gary. I play his wife Terry, and we uh, play childhood sweethearts who sort of. It's it's like a warm-hearted uh, family sitcom, um, but it's got. I think it's like a fresh take on a new family sitcom. That's how I sort of uh, would would say it's like. Um, a couple that are struggling for social acceptance and material uh, success in sort of a competitive kind of suburban uh, surroundings. Um, that sounds boring, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're obviously head of the PR for this uh, show, are you? <laughs> yeah, 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 very much so. Uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's the bit. It's the small stuff blown up. Uh, Tom's very very funny. Um, and it's got Simon Day in from the Fast Show. He plays Tom's dad, uh, Camille Kadori, who was in Him and Her. Um, and we've got brilliant guests like uh, Romesh Ranganathan's in it, and he plays our uh, next door neighbour, who's basically just at war with Gary. Um, yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's a six-parter, and it starts in January. Um, awesome. So is that is that in front of a studio audience, or is that like a, a... No. no? No, it's a yeah. No. That should be fun. It's a single. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. watching that one. And that's in yeah, January, it's, yeah? It's a pilot was on last Christmas, did really well. And so they, yeah, we've got a series and we did that in the summer. It's like, yeah, well, so no, I've got that coming out in January. <clears throat> so, yeah. And, 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 and I'm just and, watching it down for Christmas now. So Wonderful. Well, Brilliant. Have a lovely Christmas. Thank, Thank you, you very too. much for joining us. Yeah, have a great Christmas, Laura. Yeah, and we Thanks can now. Me. Yeah, we can now tick Shaz off of our cast list. And I think we've only got um, the vicar's son and uh, Kaylee left. I think, yeah, that's it. Yeah, oh, Kaylee, yeah, of course. And then obviously, when, whoever, yeah, whoever we've got in the the. And then you've got series three, and you've got loads more. Indeed, okay. indeed. Absolutely. Laura, have a lovely Christmas. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us. Thank it's you, so Laura. Nice to chat to you. Thank you, uh, Neil. Do you want to get and do your little bit of uh, housekeeping? See if you can get this right. Right, let's have Here a go. go. So then. you can find us on all the social medias under this country. <laughs> <laughs> WTF, this country. There was too much thought in that. I should have just let it flow. You should have done. I'm not not going to give you a bow for that. No, please don't. Uh, You can email us at WTF, this country at hotmail.com. And our website is WTAFpodcast.com. 
Wonderful. Please come and subscribe to the podcast <laughs> and also leave us a rating and a review. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Acast, and of course you can just talk to your Alexa thing. Go, Alexa! Play WTAF. They, it might almost do it now. If you've got an Alexa in the background, it might all of a sudden just start spurting out WTAF. Laura, thank you ever so much. Have a lovely Christmas. You're thank welcome. You, Laura. Thank you. Bye thank you, bye. Neil. We'll Thanks see you very soon. Much, thank you very much, everybody. Now go get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? As promised, here's a sneak preview of the This Country book as read by Kerry and Curtin. It's available at Amazon or good bookshops and also on all your audio devices. Go and buy it now. Len Spooky Village Tales by Len Clifton. Read by Kerry and Curtin Mucklow. The Vanishing Tour Guide This ghostly tale's been heard from a few people over the recent years and it will send shivers down your spine. Our village, being nestled deep in the soft bosom of the Cotswold countryside, is a magnet for tourists from all over the globe. There have been many a tale of Japanese tourists being greeted off the coach in a marketplace by a gentleman wearing a tall stovepipe hat with a wide brim who shouts in an authoritative manner, This way! This way! The Japanese tourists follow him for up to 12 miles deep into the countryside, where the tour guide is known to drop to his knees, put his head in his hands and say, Shit! I don't know where the fuck we are, before vanishing into thin air. The chap in the top hat fits the description of a local tour guide known by the name of Ernie Garlic, whose trademark was wearing a tall stovepipe top hat with a wide brim. Tragically, Ernie took his own life in 1987 when he read a cruel review of one of his tours in the Cotswold Life magazine. The poor fellow just weren't naturally blessed with the directional skills needed of a tour guide and was even known to get lost in his very own street. He suffered from a disorder called topographical agnosia which causes a person to have absolutely zero sense of direction. It's a comfort, however, to know that Ernie is still doing what he loves beyond the grave and guiding tourists into the ass end of nowhere. God bless you, Ernie, you half-wit. Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.